Good morning, Providence. Everyone's still uh, trying to find their seats, um, but I just want to welcome you all to church this morning. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Kathy Mack, and I am the Director of Administration. Thank you for braving the snow this morning, um, but it does not look as bad as originally forecasted, so we're thankful for that. If you have recently started attending Providence, um, we haven't mentioned this in a while, but there are some guest kiosks in the back where there is a welcome card. If you want to take the time to put your name, any questions you have, your email, and put that in the box back there, please feel free to do that. If you ever have any questions about um, things that you see on the looping slides when you're here in the morning or any of the announcements we make or anything on the Friday email, please feel free to stop someone who has one of these name tags on. It'll be a staff member or a volunteer um, and just ask those questions. I know um, right now during this time it is hard to maybe get all the information you might need. So take the time on Sunday morning to ask those questions. I'm very happy to say that this is going to be uh, a busy week at Providence Church as both the men's and the women's Bible studies are beginning. The men's study begins this Wednesday and they'll be studying 1 Timothy. Men, there is no registration required. So you can just drop in when you have opportunity. It will start about 6 a.m. if you would like breakfast and then the study will begin at 6.30 and I understand it will end promptly at 7.30. Today is the last day of registration for the women's Bible studies. There is a evening study on Monday evenings and a Wednesday morning study. Again, if you have any questions about the two different studies, you can ask Don Garrett, myself, or Lisa Baraski. Mothers of preschool children. I know this has been a long season um, for everyone, but I, I think of you um, and sometimes those days in the home with preschool children all day long can be 
long. So our Providence playdates for 2021 begin on February 9th at 10 a.m. This is a great opportunity for moms and their preschoolers to come and have fellowship. There'll be a craft. There'll be this whole space for the kiddos to play together in. And this morning, we have a special treat in having Pastor Carrie Doyle um, bring the sermon this morning. Providence is part of the EFCA, and we're part of the Allegheny District, which consists of 35 churches and church plants. Pastor Doyle was named our superintendent almost a year ago. His role is to shepherd the pastors and leaders in our district. Carrie has over 30 years of ministry experience. Not only has he served as a pastor in various EFCA churches, but his passion for cross-cultural ministry has taken him from Mexico to India. He and his wife, Robin, have five adult children and live north of Pittsburgh. Sorry, Carrie, it's gonna happen every service. Do not hold that against him. Please take the time to welcome Carrie to Providence after the service. So let's turn our hearts to the Lord and worship. Well, church, good morning. Let's stand together and prepare our hearts. Church at home, let's worship together. We're one body in Christ. And let's pray. Father, you always prove yourself faithful. You always prove yourself kind. And tender and compassionate, merciful. You're long suffering. You are righteous, holy. You've demonstrated your justice, chiefly in the person of your Son, whom you sent on our behalf out of your love. Lord, you sent him. He lived before you, grew up. He was like us in every way, fully human and also fully divine and thereby able to offer his perfect life for sinners, for me, willingly and joyfully. So Lord, help us to reflect on your name, re remember what you've done and the blessing that we have this morning, being your sons and daughters through Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be mindful of him as we worship in song, as we hear your word preached, as we pray. Lord, let us exalt his name for your benefit and for your honor. We love you, Lord. We remember his cross now as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bye. 
on our Lord's cross in the form of Psalm 22, which he actually recited from the cross, which is a marvel to think about. Paul in Philippians, I wanted to identify with his sufferings, with Jesus' sufferings, to know him in that way. And so we have that chance as we proclaim his, his, the words of his mouth that he uttered on our behalf as he suffered. And so um, where the slides say, leader, I'll read, and let's read together where it says, all is one body purchased by the Son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They, they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. They've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And my clothing they cast lots for. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Amen. Come behold the 
treasure you as a result, Lord. May you be glorified and honored. In your name, amen. Amen. And church, you can be seated. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Tom Thomas, one of the elders here. And if you would uh, please join me in prayer um, to our Father. 
I'll be reading a few verses from 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Heavenly Father, we praise you and adore you and seek to glorify you, Father. You are our creator, our redeemer, the one and only God, holy and righteous, slow to anger, abounding in love, compassionate and gracious to us. Jesus, we thank you for teaching us what true love is, how you loved your Father, how you loved us, leaving heaven to join us on earth for a short time. We thank you for teaching us about selflessness, about sacrificial love, about humility and strength, and seeking your Father's will and not your own will. And we thank you that with your ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit remained, so that those who abide in and accept you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, have an advocate with them, living inside of them. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, we know that we don't live to the standard that you call us, that we don't love one another. We don't love you as we should. We often seek our own plans and forsake yours. But we are so thankful, Father, that when we do confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. So let's just take a couple of moments now if there's any sins that we need to bring before you, Father. Father, we thank you for Jesus' blood that cleansed us to make us white as snow. We thank you that we have that assurance for those of us who accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And God, we now come to you with prayers for our nation, for our church, for individuals. God, in this time of transition of power, Lord, and uncertainty regarding a virus, God, let us as a church, individually and collectively, in a church worldwide, to be a light to a world that needs a light, to point people to you, Father, and to your Son, Jesus. Let us look for those opportunities to share your gospel to others so that they could have life eternally with you, Father, in heaven. We pray, Lord, um, about this virus, Lord, and we know that good will come about it. And God, we seek your healing for those, some in our, in our um, congregation, Lord, who are either in quarantine or recovering, specifically, you know, with Caleb Watson, the Abiel family, the Heath family, the Toulouse family, some who have contracted this virus, others who are just being cautious, Lord, because of exposure, Lord. So comfort them and heal them. 
God, we also know in our church that we have several um, family members or individuals who have had tough diagnosis or uncertainty of diagnosis of cancer or even ALS. Lord, um, I know that for brothers and daughters or for parents or for loved ones or wives even who have uncertainty of diagnosis, God, bring them peace that can only be found in your Son and you, Lord. Comfort them and let us walk with them and encourage them through tough times. Father, I know we have many ministries starting up this week with men's and women's Bible studies. We think about those play dates, Lord, and how we long to be together. So, God, I pray that these ministries can have an impact on so many lives, Lord. I think about the international student ministry, too, how it's difficult to reach people through video, God. And I just pray to encourage those who are involved in that ministry and that they will continue to be faithful to plant seeds and win those to Christ. And, Lord, we celebrate the new members last week that joined our church, I think over 30, if I'm not mistaken. And, Lord, let us just welcome them. I pray they get plugged into the right ministries and the small groups, Lord, and for the impact they will join with us as we seek to impact this world for Christ. And now, Lord, we um, I lastly just um, lift up our tithes to you, Lord. Let us be cheerful givers. And I pray for Pastor Doyle's words, Lord, that they inspire us and point us to follow Christ more abundantly than we are. We love you, Father. We thank you that you hear our prayers and that we could talk to you at any time. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you would join me and if you could stand, if you're in the congregation or you're at home, I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 29. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. So Colossians starting in chapter 1, verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and, gen and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, let's get this over with. I'm not originally from Pittsburgh, okay? Does that, does that help? Not a bit, right? My wife and I grew up in the Atlanta area. Most of her family is from Alabama. Does that help? No, wrong, wrong notes. Okay. 
Kathy, thank you once again. I guess I have one more round of doing this later and apologizing for the fact that I live near that place over there. I am currently reading a book about Ohio by David McCullough, right? Pioneers, right? He's from Pittsburgh. <laughs> that wasn't nice. Okay. Uh, that's a distraction. Life is full of distractions right now. Let me go ahead and give you a couple of disclaimers. I am not Austin. Uh, did you grow up watching? Do you ever watch The Odd Couple? I was about Austin and me the other day, Austin and I the other day. He didn't know which one it was. Um, you can figure out which one of the odd couple I might be as we move along here today. Austin, if you're watching today, what can I say? But it's good to be here with you today and uh, to share God's word with you today. Uh, in my last church, I was a finally officially labeled the squirrel pastor. Now, the observation had been there for years, but it had never really been given a name. And, uh, but it was uh, finally labeled and laid on me. And, and the reality is I like squirrels because I guess I kind of, a, I don't know if it's a spirit animal is the right thing to use. Squirrels are distracted animals, right? They're, they're was it the, which move over the head, squirrel. Um, squirrels are often an image of people who get this. Did I mention I was from Georgia? Um, my wife, uh, we met in the law. But anyway, um, squirrels are often the image of distractibility, right? And they're focusing here, and then they're there and there. And clinically, I think it's called ADHD. I'm not, I'm not sure I prefer the squirrel label uh, much better. I haven't tried acorns. That might help. Could someone remind me of that later? Because I might... For, distractions. I think that's where I was. Has the last year had a few distractions in it for you? You know, it's, it's, you know, one of the things about distractions, they make you lose sight of main things, right? They kind of uh, forget what you're supposed to be about, you know. Why am I in the kitchen again? Oh, yeah, COVID-15, <laughs> right? Forget the freshman 15. Distractions, they uh, can move you away from the thing you were supposed to be doing, that you had been doing, and the next thing you know, it's four hours later, four days later, four weeks later, and you go, oh, yeah, that. Sometimes distractions can be fun and funny, but sometimes they, they can be deadly, in fact, and, 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 and horrible. And one of the things I've noticed in the last year or so is we've faced multiple distractions, be it uh, uh, concerns about a pandemic, and then, you know, do you do these, do you don't do these, and the, the church is making decisions about these and making some people happy and some people not so happy, and and then the distractions that we had uh, as we faced again the reality of where we are with the lack of racial equality and lack of just dealing with stuff as a nation and, and that. And then was there an election last year? Did y'all have an election over here too? Ah, right? And then, but thankfully, we voted and it was done. We, we thought, okay, right? No. Same over here. But then we turned to calendar year, and everything was good until the 6th. And we watched with horror our capital be violated uh, by uh, mobs and, and just the hit that that was. I don't know how that hit you. I sat in front of the TV uh, sobbing, heartbroken. It, was, it felt to me like a, another version of 9-11. It just, it was... <laughs> But then we had the inauguration, so that was good, and now everything's kind of, no, we're, we're distracted, aren't we? We've got all these voices calling at us from all these different directions to be stirred up and riled and, and, 
And, and, we, and we went through the football season stuff, right, too. Congratulations, all right? I told the church, I was in my home church in the Pittsburgh area last week, I'd be here. They send their greetings. I won't quote them. Um, <laughs> but I see it in your eyes, and I won't quote you either as well. Uh, smug arrogance is not of God. Let me just tell you, congratulations. Distractions. What's grieved me is through the years of pastoring is to watch not just how the world gets distracted, we expect that, not just how kids get distracted, not just how squirrels get distracted, but to watch how the people of God get distracted. And when the enemy can pull us off of the main thing, who is Jesus, is a tragic thing. It is a damnable thing. It is a thing that God will want to talk to us about and say, please, get back on target which is to walk with jesus to know jesus and then to make him known so this morning by the way did everyone's phone go off last night like 11 27 did you all get a uh, an amber alert and, you know when it, it those are those are disturbing enough my wife and i were sound asleep and and you know when you get woken up like that and you hear that and you're in a strange place you know you're thinking okay is the hotel on fire what's going on you know, it's, it's a major distraction, but it was also a reality call to me. You know, a preacher always has to make something out of these things, right? As I laid there and I thought, as I kind of like, okay, we're good. It's not the hotel. It's not a personal emergency. But somebody's hurt and lost and abducted and needs help, don't they? And in my mind came to this morning where I would get the opportunity, as it were, to sound an amber alert from God saying, church, church be alarmed be reminded there's a world without hope they need jesus and if you know jesus you have that hope christ in us that hope of glory we like everyone who had all who had sinned and fallen short of the glory of god now have jesus he has us and we have true and lasting hope that goes beyond election cycles it goes past pandemics it'll go past the day in which we will indeed pe consider people by the character uh, as opposed of their conduct as opposed to the uh, color of their skin it's a hope that goes beyond anything that would seek to divide us as a nation or as a church believers this passage this morning can serve as an amber alert to remind us that there are people who need who are desperate and lost and need us to share the hope of jesus so we're looking at a passage in Colossians that has a similar kind of context to the book of Philippians that uh, you're going through right now. I track your church. Kathy Mack has added me to the mailing list, and so I, it's fun to track with what you guys are doing. Great job at Christmas. I told my wife, I said, look at what their goal is for a Christmas gift. You know, was, was it 24000 something for the uh, sonogram? And then beyond that to the men's ministry. And then you gave beyond that. You know, I got the impression you guys were going, now what do we do? Get all this money that people have generously given to bless other people. Good job, church. How cool is that? And I just, it's neat to, to know that and, and to be a part uh, of your ministry here and to track with you and rejoice with you. And, and when I get those emails, I check uh, Pastor Austin's uh, sermon notes. And, and if you remember last week, this is where I'm trying to help do some continuity and review. Uh, it, it was about purpose, true purpose in life, and that would be for us to live is, oh, Pastor Austin wants to hear it louder than that. When Paul wrote, for me to live is, 
and for us to even die would be a gain. And Paul is in prison there. He's writing these letters, and now he's writing to the church at Colossae. He had never been there before. He'd had three solid years of ministry in Ephesus and training people and training the people there, and they were getting deep in Jesus, and people were coming to his, to his discipleship school. And then people were going, and so Epaphras and others evidently went down to Colossae and, and led people to Christ, and a church was started. But now in the church, there was the potential, sadly, for some spiritual distraction and doctrinal drift. And that's a danger every church faces at, every time, at all times, that we have to be aware of distractions, of drift, of getting off on hobby horses and, and, and forgetting the truth of who Jesus is. So Epaphras comes to Paul in Rome, about 60 AD, and says, Paul, it's good to see you. Uh, let me give you an update on what's happening in Colossae because I'd love to take a letter back from you if you could help address these issues. So that's kind of the context of the whole book of Colossians. And I think I heard the women's ministry is going to be studying Colossians, or some group is. How fantastic is that? What a great book. Christ oh, by the way, I've, I made sure I pulled out a couple of big words in honor of Pastor uh, of um, what's his, Austin, yeah. See, he's forgettable. Mallory is the one who's great. Okay, let's just have an honest, an honest conversation here. So I, I wanted to pull out a couple of big words so you'd feel at home this morning, okay? Colossians is Christocentric filled with Christology. I read that in a book. If you could look it up and tell me what that means, that'd be great. That's a book that's centered in on Jesus, Christ, and it's full of theology of Christ. So it's Christocentric, full of great Christology, the doctrine of who Christ is. In chapter one, man, it's like a wild horse just busting out of the stall about Jesus and who he is image of the invisible God firstborn of all, all creation the exact representation of God firstborn the first fruits of the dead in him all the fullness this description of Jesus we go wait a minute Jesus would have to be God for all these things to be true of him and that is the case and Paul says as he's writing this letter back to a church facing distraction and drift and, and division because of this thing or that thing or celebrating this holiday and being, uh, in, you know, uh, uh, matters of compunction about different things. He says, guys, wait a minute. This is the message. He says, look, I heard that you know Jesus and I'm so thankful. Keep getting to know him so you can live worthy of him. He says, my job, in fact, my calling has been to be willing to gladly suffer so you and others could have this message about Jesus. I'm a servant of this gospel message so that people can come to know Christ, the mystery made known by God. And this mystery is that the Messiah, the sent one, who is God in the flesh, that he is our hope, that Christ, who now lives inside of us, is our God's hope that we have, the hope of glory being restored more and more to be like Jesus. He says, in fact... That's who we proclaim. We proclaim him. And in this proclaiming him, we are warning everybody. And we're teaching everybody so that we can present everybody mature back to Christ. And for this very reason, he says, as we proclaim him, I mean, we're toiling, working like dogs. We're agonizing, extending every ounce that we have according to the power that God has given us because we want to present Jesus to people 
bring them to maturity so we can then present people to Jesus as a gift, as an offering to him. Him we proclaim. So brothers and sisters in Christ, for those who do know Jesus, this is our reminder earlier in the year. This is actually the theme verse for the Allegheny District this year. Him we proclaim. In the middle of all the other things that we've been busy proclaiming for quite a while, as a country, as churches, as distracted people, we want to make sure we are proclaiming Christ. We want to present Christ in his fullness, growing to know him more, to others so that they can come to know a fullness of Christ and grow in his fullness. And then we can say, Lord Jesus, here is how I extended my life, telling people about you so now I could bring them to you as an offering that you deserve. We proclaim Christ. He says, and we're all about him. Christ, our hope of glory. We are all about him. We seek to know him better and better. He prays in chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. He says, man, I've heard you guys know him. You're full of faith and hope and love. It's fantastic. Now get to know him more. Become discerning about what's important. And in the process of that, mature in him. Know him more. Be about him so then you can live a life worthy of him. Him, God's sovereign son, the exact image of God. You, know, you meet somebody and you go, wow, you sure remind me of your mom or your dad. And, and usually in there, someone's offended, right? <laughs> the mom or the dad. Usually if it's the son and they look like the mom, but that's not always the case. But, but we squirreled there. We'll try to keep the squirreling minimal. My wife's not here, so y'all pray about that. She usually has a way of keeping me on track. I got one more session till I'm reined in, okay? Where was I? We, someone looking like someone. To someone to fully bear all the image of who God is would require them to be God. Who else could fully be the exact icon, image of God? It would take God, God the Son. And we're all about Him, the sovereign, firstborn, firstfruits. He's over all. Him who is God's made known secret, our Savior, our source of life. We knew promises of what God was going to do, but then God did it in a way we would never even expect, and it was through Christ, and he fulfilled all the promises. This sinless sin-bearer who died on the cross for me, for you, who was raised again from the dead and is now ascended and seated at the right hand of God, who will come some, someday come back and rightfully, justly judge all people, the living and the dead that every knee before him will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We present Christ and we are, in doing so, we start with being all about him. He is what we are about. Now pardon what sounds like a very junior high insecure um, request. Like me on Facebook. Actually, more importantly than that is the district does have a Facebook page. And it'd be great if you could go on there, if you're on there, and you could follow and like and get updates. I post things, uh, Austin's videos and other things about other churches in the district. And it helps knit us together, and I post uh, equipping uh, reminders on there as well. 
But if you were to go to my Facebook page, and I enjoy Facebook is a great way to connect with people across the decades, across the countries, um, you'd get a flavor of who I am. You'd find out I was, in fact, born in Georgia, that when Hank Aaron died, I, I blubbered. He was my guy. You'd find out that uh, I, baseball is my favorite sport, that we just had a Jack Russell Terrier that we had to put down. You'd find out that we have five kids, one's in the military, and you'd find out all kinds of stuff about me. I would hope you would also find out on there that I love Jesus, that it would become evident that if you looked over the course of days or weeks or months, you go, okay, yeah, um, you know, guy ain't perfect, but I guess he, he does, because look what he's, he posts. He's publicly about these kind of things, and I would hope that if we could go to each other's Twitter feed or whatever social expressions that you have, Instagram, Snapgram, chat, or whatever, I, they merge together for the old guy, okay? My son says, Dad, you see that picture? Okay, where was it? Was it the ghost thing or the other thing? And I get them mixed up, right? Insta, snap, grandma chat or something. I would hope it was, a, it was a small squirrel. We're back, people. I would hope that if we looked at what the essence of what you consistently are talking about, tweeting about, posting about, obsessed about, that we'd look at each other and say, brother, sister, we don't know each other, but we know each other. If your feed has been mostly about politics from whatever direction, I'm wondering if you have got some areas of drift or distraction that you need to look at this morning. If the pandemic has become the obsession of you, if you are ready to fight about this more than you are about presenting the Lord Jesus Christ portraying him in our demeanor, portraying him in our words. I wonder if you need this amber alert from God, like all of us do at some point, to be reminded, him we proclaim, so we're all about him, and we proclaim him with wisdom. We proclaim him with wisdom. Paul says, I'm willing to suffer as a servant of this glorious message of hope. It's kind of boiling down, verses 24 to 27. He says, Man, I'm filling up the suffering for Christ's body. I'm, Christ lived, he died, he was raised, but now there's still work to do to get the message out, and it still requires suffering. He says, I'm filling up some of that suffering. We've been called to step into serving, be servants of that message, even if it requires suffering. Some of you, have, some of you work at places where the HR department is very suspicious of you. They know you're a believer. You're gracious about it. You're not in people's face. You're not beating people up. But they know you believe certain things, and those certain things might keep you from getting a raise. It might keep you from getting tenure if you work in an academic setting. And we need wisdom as we would present Christ because we're all about him, and we present him, proclaim him with wisdom, and if necessary, willing to suffer even as a servant of the message of Christ. We present him. And, and Paul says, we do so warning every man. And in fact, we're saying, get right. Get right. We are ambassadors. Jesus has come and provided salvation for a damned world. They are under the condemnation of God. They need to be told there is a creator. He made you. He loves you. You have erred far from him just like I have. But he loves you so much he sent 
his son to die in your place, to take your spanking, to take your corporal capital punishment. He took the noose off of your neck, slipped it around his. And if that's graphic, you don't understand the cross. If that seems offensive, now we're getting close. He took the needle going towards your vein and stuck it, had it stuck in his own arm to die for your sins. He loves you. But now he's calling upon you to call upon him in faith. We are ambassadors of this message that the creator, savior God sent his son now that everyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, Lord Jesus, shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. So we proclaim him in fullness, learning more about him so we can do a better job of talking about him and proclaiming him, warning people, and then teaching them we not only, tell, not only tell them, you need to get right. Uh, that would be also for erring believers. How encouraging to hear about the, women's, the uh, mom's play date thing and the, and the uh, women's ministry and the, the men's breakfast coming up. Those are important times. If, if for no other reason to be with other believers who can keep tracking and we can track with each other and you, to so where you say to a brother if necessary, man, I, you know, can we talk? I'm a little concerned. I'm just... It seems like you're kind of cooling off or getting distance or, uh, man, are you really staying true to simplicity of devotion to Christ? So all of us have this obligation to warn people and then to teach them, teach all people. This is the grow up part, to grow up part. Teach them. Teach them by how you live your life, by conveying truth about Jesus, most of you do not have a gift for teaching. No shame. It was God's plan. We're not, 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 not judging God for not making everybody teachers, but every one of us are obliged to be teachers. My wife, uh, phenomenal cook. It's, I should weigh 400 pounds. I have a poor testimony to how great of a cook she is, okay? She really is a great cook. When we got married, she goes, I don't know how to cook. And she said, well, what'd mom do? And that was multiple pounds ago on my part. <laughs> she knew it. She, she was taught by her mom's example. So those of you who have a gift of teaching, press on. Teach. Keep it about Jesus. Keep first things first, second things second, and forget the other stuff. Don't, don't be squabbling and arguing about silly words and, and, and things that don't matter. And, and Paul even addresses that to Colossians. Oh, they're arguing about moons and festivals. He goes, no, 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 no. It's about Jesus. For those without the gift of teaching, keep teaching. Some of you write cards and you include Bible verses. Don't stop doing that. Some of you text people great words of affirmation. Don't stop doing that. Uh, Sunday mornings, I usually text a group of pastors. I, get, I didn't uh, do that this morning. I got uh, a text from one guy saying, hey, where's my text this morning? Hey, pastors are such ingrates. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was a kidding. Austin, if you're listening. Some of you have a great job, your ability, you slip notes, you, just a little word here. Teach. Teach people. A teacher needs to learn so a teacher can teach. We are about him so we can present him to others, so we can present them to him. Our proclamation is centered in him, done with wisdom, and it's purposeful. If you've ever involved in a ministry for a long time or any kind of endeavor, you can get in the middle of doing it and realize why, you forget, why am I doing this again? 
So why am I showing up every Wednesday night when they have youth group or wherever it is and, and cleaning up after these kids? Why am I helping out with these kids in the nurse? Why am I? It's easy. It's kind of natural. We need reminders. We need these calls, these amber alerts from God to say, this is why you're doing this. It came pulled in this morning with uh, Joe picked me up from the hotel. My wife would be coming for the uh, third service. Um, and pulled in, and, and there was somebody in the truck working in the parking lot, greeters here. When I was given a list of all who I was doing what today so I could know my part in there, I saw that people were getting here this morning before 6 o'clock to kind of get things going to do ministry. That's so commendable. Let me remind you, let me commend you for all that all of you do here and in your community. But let me remind you, we're doing it, and he's worthy. We do it for him. And in the doing of it, it's so that we can make disciples. We're not just helping people just get saved. It's obviously not to mean that. If you don't know Jesus, come to him, and you'll be saved from your sin and from damnation. But it's not just that. We help people grow up in Christ, grow in maturity. We're making disciples who can make disciples. We are about him, proclaiming him, and we're doing it purposely, helping them to grow in all things so we can present them mature in Christ. And we do it with perseverance. We do it plugging ahead very meaningfully. Paul uses some really great language here in verse 29. He says, and this we do, laboring, agonizing, according to his power that's in me. It's a very sweaty language here. He says, I'm not just kind of slap dab doing this. It's not just like a hobby. My commitment to Christ and knowing him and making him known so I can make him know other people, so I can present them to him, is a commitment I have to that has sweat on my brow. It's, it's what drives my life. It's like the kind of energy that a wrestler, not Hulk Hogan, not the Stone Cold Steve Austin or whoever those guys are. These are the collegiate guys and gals that are grappling with resting pulse races. It rates down to the 30s and 40s who are just giving it all with every fiber down there. And Paul says, the ministry that I have of proclaiming Christ is one of toil and agonizing and stressing and straining. But I only do this because Christ is the one working in me. I love verse 29. It's I, we, he. And I'm working hard at this. I'm doing it according to his power, but it's he's the one really doing it with his power working through me. Isn't that the essence of the Christian life? Christ in us, our hope of glory. Christ in us, our hope of the ability to per persevere in ministry. Some of you need a break. You've, you've been pushing hard. This last year of doing ministry has been very hard. Pastors leaders are just tired they please be aware of that uh, just you, know, you make a decision about what you think is best concerning wearing these things and and you make half the church this and half of that and then you change the policies because the governor and this and the other and you make the you know the people change places and it's been hard it's hard for a lot of you and you're tired if you need to take a break for a little while take a little break but that doesn't mean like a five-year hi hiatus okay this is like sitting it's like being in a track team usually people are running or doing one, more than one event right so you do your event and take a break for a little bit 
But then when it's your events called, four by four, you get out there and get ready to grab the baton and hand off the baton. If you have handed off the baton and not taken the next one, that ain't the way it's supposed to be. So yes, you may say, I've done that for 40 years, it's time for the next generation. Praise God that you're willing to release control. But now you look for the next baton of ministry. So take a break, but don't disappear, don't ghost. Stay involved, because you're all about Christ. Christ, our life, our hope of glory, that we're all about. And so since we're all about him, he's the one we're proclaiming. And we do it purposely. We're not just out blathering about Jesus. We're not random. It's purposeful. We want to see people come to know him. God has tr offered to transfer people from the domain of darkness and take them to this kingdom of his son, the one he loves. And we get to be ambassadors of that message, proclaiming him. And so then we persevere in that effort. How are you currently proclaiming Christ to people? What's your demeanor as you do that? Is it always with just enough, what you think is holy anger and stirred up by the culture? I got, a, I got great news for you. Everything about our nation wants us to kind of pick sides right now, right? People will assign a side to you if you didn't. If you notice that too? Oh, you're, a, you know, right? We should confuse people. They can't figure out exactly which side we necessarily fit on because we're not about a side. We're about Jesus. It's just when they think they have us figured out, they go, wait a minute, oh, I get it. And if it works, they've never kind of gone through the process of calling you a Jesus freak or preacher man or whatever. You got to step up your game maybe, right? When they start labeling you those things that they think they're shaming you with, you say, okay, maybe I'm getting the message across. I hope I'm doing it gracefully and in truth so closing questions of application none of this matters if you don't know Jesus if you've never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved why not today today's the day none of us are promised tomorrow call upon the Lord Jesus Christ he loves you so much he died in your place he's alive again he's offering his life it's your hope of glory his hope call upon him Trust in him. Flee to Jesus. Get to know him. Are you growing in your knowledge of him? I grew up in Atlanta. Hank Aaron was my first sports hero. When he passed away, it was, I mean, a hard emotional day. And I continue to learn more about him. As a kid, he was an athlete chasing a goal. As I grew up, I realized he was a black man getting death threats from all over the nation. You will not break Babe Ruth's record. I learned about that and it started to break my heart and the more I learned the more respect I have for him do you have just still kind of a Sunday school VBS knowledge of Jesus yep came to know the Lord when I was 12 got baptized been coming ever since is that is your knowledge level grown much keep growing in your knowing of him because you want to present him as fully as you can so you can present them as fully formed as you can do you live to make him known with your lips with your life is the fruit of the spirit coming out of you love and joy and peace 
patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think we all would do well to review Galatians 5, uh, 19 to 22. Is my life more like the works of the flesh, or is it more filled with the fruit, the outpouring, the working of the Spirit of God in me? If I scan back over my social media, my conversations, am I seeing these traits in there more or less? And am I learning the truth of the word of God? It's not just enough to live it out. You need to say it. At some point, you've got to, you build a gracious reputation to someone. Ask, ask Joe. I shared this in the last uh, service. Joe, pastor Joe's buddy is a pastor in near Erie, Bob Klecken. And Bob Klecken, we had lunch a while ago. He says, he's, oh, I grew up with Joe. He says, Joe was so transformed when he came to know Jesus Joe was working on his car one day, and he didn't respond like he used to respond, that Bob Klecken said, what happened to Joe? Joe was so transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ as a teenager, I believe it was, that his friends were asking, and so Bob said, what happened to Joe? What happened to Joe? And Bob came to find out Jesus happened to Joe. Bob came to know Jesus. There was a clan of posse of like six of them that used to run together five of the six of them came to know and love jesus several of them have been in ministry because of the work of god transforming someone's life live your life as evidence that you know jesus and then share the truth about jesus at the end of colossians paul says to them guys could you pray for me that I would have boldness and wisdom to share this message. And think about this. Paul has already told them, I'm willing to suffer for this message. I am a servant of this message. I'm a servant to the church. He's already faced persecution and he's in jail. House arrest, quarantine. But don't, don't you just love his honesty that we can relate to? He says, and pray for me also that I would have boldness to share about Jesus. You're not the only one who gets a dry mouth and, and, and sweaty palms and, and stuff happening in your stomach. You know those conversations where you're directing it and it's getting general, but you're moving into the fun, down the funnel to talk about Jesus and you know that next question you need to ask that's going to be the one where they kind of do this with you, right, maybe? Paul is saying, pray for me that I have boldness to share Jesus. And, and then he says to the Colossians there, he says, Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. We need to act with wisdom, gracious speech, lives that are salty in the best sense of the word, so that we get a chance to respond or proactively share Jesus with them it's not a big contradiction. I tell people, one of my passions in life is to tell Christians to treat wait staff better. You do know that people who work at restaurants hate working on Sundays. The most consistent, poor tippers, demanding, arrogant, impersonal, rude, crass people they face is the church crowd that comes in on Sunday. If that's news to you, you can Google it. There's whole groups out there of support network for wounded waitresses. 
You got a 22-year-old single woman with maybe a kid at home with a broken car, hoping she can make it home in that rat trap that's falling apart. And people come in and tell them, they love Jesus, come to my church, and my food's cold, and if you ever do this again, I'll talk to the manager. Or can I talk to the manager right now? It's insane. So if one of my little missions in life is to remind you, please, if you are that guy or gal at the restaurant, don't tell him, don't, don't pray, don't bow your head, don't tell him about Jesus, and don't, uh, don't tell him about this church, right? <laughs> That's bad ambassadorialship. That was bad English too, wasn't it? That's a symbol of how we should live our lives. We go, oh, that's, that's, oh my goodness, that's wrong, right? So let's conduct all of our lives that even if we're mistreated, even if the food comes out later, you don't take it out on that 23-year-old single mom, that college kid, that 44-year-old who's embarrassed that maybe they're still doing, you don't take it out on them, you don't take it out on the manager. Uh, we ate at Melts last night. We had really good service, but it's been my hobby through the years of stopping and asking, can I talk to the manager? Because I want to brag on the server. And every time I say, can I talk to the manager, everyone gets quiet. Okay, sir, he'll be right here. And I always let him know, no, no, it's good. We had great help. I just want to make sure the manager know that uh, she treated us so good. I'm not related to her. I've never met her before, but she did a great job. Conducting yourself with wisdom, with grace, so you can answer each person. Do all the things you can to open the door so you can bring the message of Jesus into people because here it is again. Here's our amber alert. If you've been distracted, please remember there are people in peril. Let's be startled again. Let's get back on focus. Let's proclaim him so we can present him and then we can present them to him. And all God's people said, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder. And we do pray for whoever that Amber Alert went out for. I don't know any updates, but I pray, Lord, we pray it be resolved in a, in a good way, a safe way. And may we also be reminded of the peril this world is in without Jesus. And we pray you would use this, your word, to remind us. And thank you, Lord, for the mission of this church that they've stated as the purpose to proclaim the glory of God and the gospel of calling all people to join in following Christ together. Amen, Lord. Thank you for that stated purpose of Providence Church. May you stay central here in all that's done. so that you can be honored and you can be shared and people can grow and we then Lord can say here Lord is my offering these people I've helped come to know you in a better way and may we do so Lord not in a slap dab fashion but willing to be extended and sacrificed for this message thank you Lord for the chance to be with these dear people May your grace and mercy be upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, let's respond to the word in song, praising his name. Let's stand together.
cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed tree his body bound and drenched
mountain We wandered far and wide Far from the cleansing fountain Far from the visit side But Jesus sought and found us And washed our guilt away With cords of love he bound us To be his own Christ, we have your fullness of life. We have his righteousness and purity and his hope of being with you one day. And Lord, may we give that away. May we share that and proclaim that, proclaim him as we go about our lives today and all of our days. Lord, give us your strength. Supply us, Lord, with your wisdom and discernment and compassion by your spirit. Lord, 
make Christ our treasure and help us proclaim him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, have a wonderful Lord's Day.